you'd stand together with me for the reading of the word of the Lord, Psalm 127. We are in the month of October, our family month, and we <clears throat> are just kind of kicking off in spite of, in the middle of, in the challenge of everything that's happening around us. Thank you, church family, for continuing to pray for Adam and Maya Hunley, and uh, our prayers have been with them over the last, oh, 14, 16, 18, 20 hours. They're in the midst of... Uh, torrential downpour and typhoon. I can't remember all the words that they're using to describe it, but they do cover our prayers. They sent Pastor a note just, just very recently and mentioned that things are very wet, but they're, they're fine. They're doing good. So thank you for keeping them in your prayer. Yeah, they're doing good. So we're praying God's covering over them, praying that God would protect them, that his hand would be upon them. Someone say it in Jesus' name. Psalm chapter 127, verse 1, very familiar portion of scripture to many of you. And if you're joining with us at home, online right now, I'd ask that you'd, if you just find a Bible or get your Bible app out, we want to stay here just for a few moments, highlight this verse if you would. Except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. Except the Lord build the house. Our intention is that if we focus our attention on our homes in a spiritual sense, that we will get the attention of God. That we'll get the attention of God and that God will begin to do a powerful work because here's what I do know. If we have strong families, we'll have a strong church. If we have strength in our homes, and strength will be in the, in the row where you're at. I keep, I'm, I'm still in the pews. I'm I'm still in July 2020 or something. No pews in the room. But if, if we have strength in our homes, then we will have strength in our church. And so family month this month is a month that we've set aside all the Sundays of October to focus on our families. And this morning is just a launch. Tonight will be part two of this morning's message. So I wonder if you would just put your Bible down for a moment and open your heart and ask the Lord to speak to us this morning. I covet God's anointing. I covet his guidance. I pray that he would hide us beyond the shadow of his cross today. Would you allow the spirit of the Lord to talk to you for a moment? Jesus, we come. God, in some ways we're empty. In other ways we're full. Y'all become from different locations, from different directions, but we're gathered here this morning, whether it's by way of webcast, whether it's people that have gathered in this room this morning. But we didn't come, God, without this promise of you coming into reality with us today. You have met with us. God, your spirit is at work in this room already, and for that we give you great praise. God, our request would be don't stop now. God, what you've begun in this room, would you continue it? Lord, that direction, that unction that we have felt in the last few moments. I pray that you would release it, God, through the power of your word in the next few moments. We know that the enemy is warring, but God, we know that you are working. We know that the enemy is fighting, but God, you are fighting for us. And for that, we give you praise. I wonder one more time if you would clap your hands the loudest and the greatest that you have so far this morning. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you. 
for being with us today. It is so wonderful to be in the house of the Lord. If, if we build God's house, then he will build ours. If we bless God's house, the, the scripture has shown us over and over again that blessing will come into our house. If we want blessing to rest on our children, then, then we have got to create opportunity. We have got to create space. And we have got to be intentional about allowing God to perform what he wants as far as promise into the next generation. And, and I already mentioned it just a moment ago, but we are in family month. We, we set Sundays aside to focus on different elements of our homes and on our families. If, and uh, we, we want blessing to rest on our children. We've asked Miko and Jesse Carter to come. They've prayed a number of children through to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They're tremendously gifted evangelists that focus their attention on children. So we want to take some time and, and, and invite them to come because we have a focus on our children. But it's not just for our children. We want our blessing to rest on our elders. We've asked Brother and Sister Farrell if they'll be with us. And, and here's what I just believe. I believe that if God could, could anoint and appoint Joshua and Caleb being 40 years senior than everybody else that went into the promised land with them, then, then we have this promise today that God isn't finished with you yet. I don't know how many birthday candles were on your last cake. I don't, know, I don't know what kind of strength you may have in your body right now. But here's what I do know. If God's anointing rests on you, you'll never know what God could do. You just might get a little bit of that Caleb spirit on the inside that says, give me my mountain. It doesn't matter how old I am. I've got this promise that if I'm walking into the plan of God and if I'm walking into the will of God, God's not finished with me yet. God's not finished with us yet, elders. We are so grateful for the gray hair in the room. We are very thankful for the history that our church has. And, and we don't want to do this without you. We can't do this without you. But now isn't, isn't the time for you to check you out. Now is the time to engage. If we ever needed a seasoned voice that could tell a testimony, it's today. If there ever was a seasoned voice that could declare, ah, I've walked some rough roads, but God's been faithful. We need your voice in this day. We need your voice in this age. Elders, God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with us yet. Let's, let's shift the focus. Young people, we've got Braden and Janelle Brewer coming. I thank God for our youth team. I, I thank God for our youth group. I thank God for children and youth that are focused on what God wants for their life. That they're being led by God. We, you can't rule this. It's easy that, that to, to look and say, well, I don't understand this generation. Welcome to my world. Come on, we, are, we aren't supposed to understand each other. Let me tell you why. Because God has appointed this generation to reach this world. And so while some people kind of point their finger at millennials or some people point their finger at this upcoming generation because they don't understand them, let me just remind you that God's got them here 
on appointment. God's got them here, right here, right now for this day, for this age. There are Esther's in the room that for such a time as this, God's appointed you for this season, for the here and now. God's got you right where he needs you. He needs your, come on, he needs your strength. He needs your youth. We're, we're focusing on our young people because this is a multi-generational church. As a matter of fact, the Bible doesn't exempt any age group. There are no ex exceptions given to anyone, but there are expectations placed on all of us. Every demographic is included in ministry. That's why we need to focus on our families. Babies aren't excluded. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemy, that thou madest still the enemy and the avenger, you say, how, how can God do that? I don't know. I'm not questioning the way that God works. But here's what I do know. God can use from the youngest to the eldest in the room. Nobody is excluded. First John, he talked John, the elder apostle, in his later years wrote, he said, I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children, because you have known the father. I think John had a little bit in his spirit about what we've got in ours. This is a whole family-focused church. From the youngest to the oldest The psalmist said it like this, I have been young and now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. So from the youngest among us to the eldest among us, we've got a testimony that needs to be declared. So church, CCC, uh, uh, online attender, wherever you are and whoever you are, I'm encouraging you. It's time like never before to lift your voice. It's time like never before to tell your testimony. It's time time like never before to get filled with the Holy Ghost. It's time like never before to get in the prayer room. Come on, to get in the house of God, regardless of what restrictions may be in play. Whatever we can do, we are going to do it. Why? Because God has a testimony in our spirit to be released to our world. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, but not just by the blood of the Lamb, by the power of our testimony. God's going to use your testimony. Young people, God's going to use your testimony. You're a bright light in a dark world. Elders, God is going to use your testimony. You're a bright light in a dark world. I'm talking about end time revival. That includes everybody. Someone say, well, I, I'm in this all by myself. I, I don't have anybody. I, uh, God didn't leave you out. There's a... This scripture has been rolling around in my spirit for a few weeks, and, and I didn't really understand it until this message started coming together. But sometimes we know that there are people that are, to the, to the great degree, alone, single. You may be actually single, or you may be spiritually single. Maybe, maybe your spouse doesn't agree with your spiritual position or your stand. But here's what I, I read, and it's just been going over in my, in my spirit. Psalm chapter 68 and verse 6, it said that God setteth the solitary in families. And so while we're preaching this morning, some of you put the stop sign up because you said, well, I, I'm not really part of any family. I don't have children 
I don't have a spouse. I, I, don't have, I don't have what you're preaching about. Let me just tell you that God, God cares about every single, someone say one. God cares about every single one. And if you came in the room alone, let me just remind you that God said, I'm placing you in a family. This is the family of God. Welcome home. This church is your church. This family is your family. We're, we're talking about because, because God doesn't exclude anybody. He said, let me, let me just take the one that feels the most alone and put them in the middle of a family. He setteth the solitary in families. He bringeth out those which are bound with chains, but the rebellious. They're going to dwell in a dry land, but, but you don't have to walk through this alone. Welcome home. You don't have to walk through this alone. This is your family. You don't have to go through that. God is setting the solitary in families. But here, here, here. Now, families, you better be ready to embrace the solitary. You better be ready to open your door. It's not us two, not you. It's no, it's no longer us three, not thee. It's, it's no more. Us four, no more. Because if God is wanting to place somebody in the midst of families, and if God is wanting to place someone that's alone in the middle of families, then families have got to be willing to embrace the one that's alone. We've got to be, come on, we've got to have our eye open for the one that's all by themselves. No matter what your status or station in life is, God requires something from you. And let me tell you why. Because this isn't our house. This is his house. This is his house. Our text said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. House in Hebrew is also translated into the word family. Except the Lord build the family they labor in vain that build it now we understand the need for dwelling we we like getting those magazines what garden homes we we understand the need for that physical structure and i'm i'm grateful that my wife can make it look good i might be able to hammer a nail, but let me tell you, I can't put a picture in the right place to save myself. If we get on to the, the decor elements of CCC, and I've got to be honest, I just check out. I'm no help. The few times that I've offered my suggestions, it was like, <laughs> so after a while, you just realize, I didn't even pick my clothes out today. <laughs> she deserves that. Go ahead. So I understand. I understand the, the need for us to, to focus on our dwell. We, we've been in, in a little bit of a project. I'll just say project. We, uh, yeah, the Lehman household. I, I don't know if you noticed or not the... Uh, the real estate environment right now is pretty crazy. Um, and we had the opportunity recently, wonderful opportunity, um, <clears throat> to purchase a house for Justin, and it was it was a great deal. That was um, the balance was made up with that thing called sweat equity. 
it, it, nice house. I'm, I'm so excited for them that they're able to get something. I mean, when you're looking at rental costs, and anybody find rents just a little exorbitant in Fredericton? Bible college students, you're so blessed. I know the dorm isn't perfect, but I'm telling you, you're blessed. You're welcome, NCC. But real estate has just, whew. So to find something that, that my son could afford was, just to find something was wonderful. To get something that, that he could afford was even greater. But it did require uh, the balance to be paid with this thing called sweat equity. The, the price reflected the problem. The cost was very fair, better than fair. But it, it, it needed the balance to be made with effort. Um, the, the first thing that we did was, was start digging in the dirt. Literally. Because there was some repair that was required on the foundation. Can I let everybody know this morning that you don't have to have a perfect family to be here. We're talking recently with our staff, and I said, you may as well chalk it up. There are no more perfect families. Everybody's got a crack in the foundation somewhere. We all need to dig down a little bit and do repair work every now and then. We all need to dig deep and find out, has any area been compromised? Have any walls been broken down? You see, the problem sometimes can can hide undercover in the corner, deep in the crawl space. There can be a problem, and if you're not careful, if you're not intentional, that's why, we, that's why we're taking this month, because we want to we just kind of slow the train down long enough so we can examine the scenery. We want to slow the train. We want to stop the train long enough so we can inspect what's happening around us. We, we want to take some time to say, okay, is there something on the inside that's been broken down? It's been a crazy 18 months, and it doesn't look like it's going to get much better. But in that season, you can allow some things to break down in your spiritual lives. There's some things that can get broken down. There's some fences that can get tipped over. There's some things that can, can begin to let some things in that you never intended, that you never opened the door to, but just over the process of time, just over the season that we're walking in, just in this, this, this troublesome period that we're living in today, in this generation, in this millennium, in this time right now, some things can get broken down and you may not even realize it unless you stop long enough to do a personal spiritual inspection. You see, out of sight and unnoticed, things can get broken down. And things can become problematic without you even realizing. It just happens. It just, it just kind of slowly erodes. You know, we, we learned in physics about entropy in, in high school, how that everything tends to disorder. Things, you know, I don't know about you, but my, my house isn't just flying together. My car doesn't just... Fix itself. The rear bearings in the hub just don't oil and grease themselves. Things get a little sideways sometimes. That's why you need a mechanic, you know, to get under there and begin to do the inspection. Because without noticing, you can begin to have problems that, that you can still drive on. I don't know, anybody in here still drive with the check engine light on? Just a few of you. 
I get nervous when mine goes out. But you gotta, you gotta take time. Be, uh, you know, I, they, they just recently went from <clears throat> an annual inspection to uh, buying. I talked about this already. I'm not gonna get on that. That's not on my notes. Carry on, Jack. <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying a lot can happen in two years. When your vehicle is more than two years old. Okay. So inevitably, there are things in our lives, if that happens in the natural, if there's entropy that occurs in the natural, what about the supernatural? That's why it's, that's why it's incredibly important that we are intentional about building the spiritual house in our lives. Our goal this morning is to ensure that our lives are examined, ensure that we look carefully into our homes our focus is on our families because there are times when you can't see the attack that's happening in your life. I'm not going to say it's too late because it's never too late. But the enemy loves it when we ignore the attack. The enemy loves it when we just say, oh, maybe that'll just go away. Maybe that problem's just going to resolve itself. I'm, I, I just want to tell you, without the help of God and without your intention, the problem won't go away. You have got to be intentional about finding a spiritual solution to the spiritual attack that comes in your life. In the natural, we take time to ensure that our children are fed and clothed. We, we are a blessed people. We, we invest in our recreation. We invest in our education. We invest in our vacation. We invest in our homes. We invest in our futures. We invest in our families. And if we're not careful, before long, we start looking around and we begin to make the mistake of thinking that we are the laborer that built what we've got. We can start looking around and we can start strutting our stuff. Look what I've done. And if we aren't careful in the midst of the very thing that God has blessed us with, we can easily make the mistake of assuming that we are the builder. But the scripture calls us back to remembrance, except the Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. You see, it's a cooperative effort. It's a cooperative effort. We, God's not going to do it without us. But I just came to remind us this morning that we can't do it without God. It's when we work together, eh? except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Here, here's what I, I want us to know, that we can, we can begin to labor in vain. We, we can allow our effort to become so personal focused and we forget that God's in the mix. That everything that we're doing, the Bible tells us, it's in vain. Unless we let God architect and construct and inspect the house, all of our personal victories are in vain. Our efforts are in vain. Our work is in vain. But, but watch what happens when we put God in the mix and we say, God, we need you to help us build our home. We need you to help us become what you're calling us to become. When we, when we all of a sudden, when we get a reality check that this life isn't about the next 20 years, it's about the next 2,000 years, that is when things begin to matter and we begin to build the house that God 
wants us to build. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain to build it. I don't want to put all my effort into building something that isn't going to matter 50 years from now. Five years from now, ten years from now, it doesn't matter. That, that can call for our attention. It can pull our time away from us. But God's saying, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we build a house together? A house that's going to last from generation to generation. A house that's going to last into the millennium. A house that's going to last into eternity. Why don't we build a house together? Why don't we build a house together? You see, God sees beneath your surface. We need Sunday. We need Sunday because our righteousness is just filthy rags. We need Sundays and Wednesdays and Friday night prayers because we need God to shine deep into our spirit to show us what's not right. Because when we start our personal building project. God waits on the sideline to be invited in. Except the Lord build a house. Unless God builds our house. See, unless God, he, God, God, God isn't going to relinquish the building. He'll let you do the laboring. But if we build it, we get it all wrong. If we build it, it's off plumb. It's not straight. It's out of square. Our efforts lead us down the wrong paths. But if you say, God, you build it, I'm just here to labor with you. God wants to build the house. And he wants to do it with us. The psalmist said it like this. We can come back to the music this morning. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, oh God. God, get, I, I remember when we, we crawled under Justin's house in that crawl space, and I hate spiders. It was like a woven mat of spider web. We had to look around and dig deep. I, can I just say that that's what God wants us to do this morning? God wants to look deep in our spirit today. Search me, oh God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. The psalmist already knew it could happen. Maybe he even knew that it would happen, but he said, if there be any wicked way. And lead me in the way everlasting because wickedness will keep us from that everlasting way. The goal, the goal, the goal of this month. Come on, we need, we need our attention just zeroed in on our homes and our families. And 
Search me, O oh God. I, I've heard people use 1 Samuel chapter 16. Samuel's looking for the next king of Israel. I've heard them use this verse to protect their right to protest their appearance. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. I don't know, do you really, do you really want to use that verse to protest your right to anything? Because let, let me just tell you that, that sometimes we can get it all together on the outside and most people are, they, they're looking on, they, it looks pretty good. They look fine. They look like they got it all together. But, but the prophet Samuel, whose word never fell to the ground, every word that he declared became prophetic promise. He said, but God looks on the heart. Can I, can I remind us this morning that God is inviting you to open your life so he can look at your heart. He already knows it anyway. And I, I know I'd agree with you. You can't judge a book by its cover. But it's far from justification to know that your heart is a book that's clearly read by God. God knows your heart. He knows the intentions. The Hebrews said it like this, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Skip to the end. And, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I, I, I have no doubt it's happening while we're talking in the room this morning. God's just bringing some things into your mind right now. You're, you're thinking about things that, that you need to go and take care of. You're, you're thinking about things right now that God's just kind of put in your spirit because in this moment, the Word of God has opened something in your life that CBC News isn't going to open it up. The, the update every, every day isn't going to open it up. But, but let me tell you what happens when we begin to get in the, in the Word of God. God's Word begins to get in us and begins to shine a light into some deep, dark areas of, of some things that are broken down right now. Some deep, dark areas of some things that, that, that we wish weren't there but here's the great thing about God God said well you know what let's build this house together God can repair it God can restore it God can revive it God can rework it and by the end of what's done you can look back and say oh, come on God look what we've done unless the Lord build a house I I want to remind you that God's intention isn't just to write you off God doesn't show up with the bulldozer of the spirit and pile your house in God says hang on let's build this house together except the Lord build the house God showed up this morning with his tool belt out on to build your house now we can be embarrassed about everything that's not right. We can kind of hide the things that we don't want anyone to see. But God said, come on, let's get right down into the meeting. Let's get down to the foundation. Let's start building on something solid. I want God to build my house. I want God to build my house. I had great intentions for this morning. I, you know, preacher's daydream too. I wanted us all at the altar. I wanted, come on, I wanted tears dripping off people's faces. Come on, we can't come within 12 feet. I wanted, here's what, here's what I would have loved to see, everybody in the room.
We built this altar on purpose. We built this altar so it was a place for people to come. Could I, could I remind us that if, if God is building a house, let's go back to the, the, the benchmark of God building houses. Let's go back to the tabernacle in the wilderness or the temple. God started with the altar. I know we've already preached about this recently, but that's where God started. As a matter of fact, the altar was the largest piece of furniture that there was in the tabernacle, in the temple. Why? Because God said, if you're going to build my house, then you need an altar. What I, what I would have loved to see is for everyone to be in the altar this morning, families together, asking God to search our hearts so that we could become what he's wanting us to become, so God could, could begin a building project with us, so God could begin a, a construction project in our life so God could begin a renovation in our heart and in our spirit. That's what I would have loved to see but then, but then I was reminded there's all kinds of altars built in the Old Testament that didn't happen in the temple or in the tabernacle. As a matter of fact, it didn't matter where they were. They were able. They just kind of got some stuff together and began to build an altar. They just, that's my prop, two weeks in a row. Whatever was available, whatever they could get their hands on, you know what? That's got to work. And they put the stones in order, and they would build an altar, and then they would make that place a place of consecration. They would make that place a place of dedication. They would begin to realize, ah, I need an altar in my life. God is going to build our house. Then we need an altar in our homes. We have got to have a place where we can lay some things down, and we can pick some stuff up. We need an altar. If Noah had an altar before he had a home, then we need an altar. If Abraham built an altar when he was nothing but a tent dweller, then we need an altar in our homes. If God is building your house, let me just tell you, the first thing he's going to do is going to get the tape measure out. He's going to look at your dedication to everything else in life. And then he's going to make the altar a little bigger than that. And that's where God is going to start building our homes. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Balaam, Joshua, the Reubenites, Gideon, Manoah, the Israelites, Samuel, Saul, David, Solomon, Elijah, Yeshua, Zerubbabel, their brethren, all built altars. God wants us to build altars in our homes. Unless the Lord, I, I'm just reminding us that God's saying the first order of business. You know, that's, that's, that's the challenge. If we build it. If we're the builder, if we're not just the labor, if we're the builder, it's like, okay, God, how big can we make the living room? God, how? I'm going to need a big bathroom. Well, our garage, we build bigger houses for our cars than most of the world has for their people. If we're the builder, see how wrong we get it? Entertainment, the den, 
If we build, that's if, that's if we build it. But, but if God builds it, he says, let's, let's, let's start. Let's start with the altar. There's some things we need to leave on the altar this morning. I know we all can't come today. But wherever you are, you can build an altar there. You're with us online. You can build an altar there. God's going to start building your house. God's going to start building our house. Except the Lord build the house. God's going to start with the altar. He's going to start in that place of dedication. That's the Holy Ghost. I wonder if you would very reverently stand. Because this may be the altar when we built the church, but right now in this room, your altar is right where you are. if someone would just, would you put your hands on that chair? I know the front row, but you don't just like, but would you put your hand on the chair in front of you? Would you just begin to talk to God for a moment? I, I would love if every head was bowed and God, you're building this morning. Come on, would someone just, come on, when, when, when was the last time when the word impacted you beyond the four walls? When, when was the last time that the word caused you to do some work in your home, some work in your, when was the last time that the word of God went with you when you left and you began to make some changes and some adjustments. When, when was that last time? I wonder this morning, is anybody ready to build the house that God wants you to build? You're not doing it alone. If you're doing it by yourself, you'll wear out, you'll burn out. You'll, come on, you, you, just, you just won't be able to accomplish the task. But, but, but I remind you this morning, God is building with you. We're just laborers in this vineyard. We're just laborers, but God is wanting to build. Accept the Lord, unless God, unless the Lord builds a house. We labor in vain that build it. God, don't let our living be in vain. Don't let our work be in vain.
I'd like to pray with us, but I, I, I just want to pause there for another moment because we got the music flowing softly and we, we know what time it is. But could it be that God's, God's just doing some work in somebody's heart this morning right here, right now? We're, we're going to do part two of the sermon tonight. We're going we're gonna to be here at 6 o'clock. Ask that you be with us. But right now, the order of, order of service is the altar that's right there where you are. Come on, would you, would you pray with us for a moment? Would you just begin to ask God, God, we're praying that ancient prayer of the psalmist today. Search me, oh God. Try me. God, see if there be any wicked way in me. God, I pray that you would encourage, bring courage to leaders in our homes and in our families. God, I pray that you would bind husband and wives together. I pray that you would make a way in the middle of no way. Father, we're praying this morning. God, we're praying in the midst of pandemic times. We're praying in the midst of spiritual apathetic times this morning. But we have a God who's very interested, who's very eager to work with us this morning. For that, we are grateful. God, we're praying, let that light shine into our spirit. Show us, God. Remind us. Reveal to us. Let there be a, a revelation that would occur. We're your sheep, God. You are the shepherd. We want to hear your voice today. We desire it. We know it. We know that voice. And I pray that that voice would begin to speak. Ordain the moment that we have right now. But God... I ask that you would put a mandate in our spirit for our homes, for our families. God, I pray 